NFL Week 17 Prop Bets Hitman. Last week, we let off with the weather. This week, a handful of teams with new faces under center at quarterback. I think the common thread these past couple of weeks may be music to your ears as a professional prop better. Chaos breeds opportunity. Yeah, I mean, last week was one of the best prop weeks I've ever had. And again, like uncertainty in the market, it, it benefits the betters because the betters are able to play offense against uncertainty where the bookmakers against uncertainty have to play defense. And with a million college basketball games and Christmas break going on and the bowl games and all, all the action that's going on, it's just hard for the books to fully adjust and to make every market perfect. So I always say it that if, if you have the outs and you're able to react to information and you're able to find markets that don't that people aren't paying as much attention to, it's you can make some serious money. And fortunately for me and hopefully for some listeners, last week you were able to capitalize on some of the uncertainty and the bad weather that was going around. Yeah, that Saints Browns game was probably a once a year kind of thing, similar to the bills patriots monday nighter in 2021 so that was a blast to talk through with you i think a lot of good angles we looked at and hopefully the listeners were able to benefit for week 16 we'll look to also see what value we can provide to the audience on the week 17 slate and with a lot of new quarterbacks that'll be a common theme for some games i want to touch on with you a recurring theme will be that not so many lines are available yet you touched on the big attack surface that betters were able to take advantage of last week with everything going on in the prop market this week, maybe some slim pickings so we can see where we can identify some numbers that are currently available and also anticipate how to be ready to pounce. Once numbers do become more widely available as kickoff approaches. Want to touch first on Cleveland at Washington, Carson Wentz, the new variable in this equation, replacing Taylor Heineke as the commander starter and hitman on edge rush. You talked about, Terry McLaurin having some pretty glaring splits when we look at his snaps played with Heineke versus Wentz, much more favorable with Heineke. So with Wentz back at quarterback, I had the thought that maybe there was the implication on your end receiving yards under could have some value with McLaurin. Unfortunately, I'm not seeing that posted anywhere yet. When do you think we see that posted? And is there a ballpark number you're looking for to possibly play McLaurin receiving yards under? By the time this podcast comes up, out, it'll probably be out. Um, yeah, I mean, I know the splits. I know Curtis Samuel's the guy that gets more of the work with Wentz for whatever reason. Jahan Dotson's been coming along recently. And McLaurin, uh, even last week when Wentz came into that game, Wentz had something like 14 pass attempts and McLaurin had like one target or something. So it really is bizarre what, what's been up with him when Carson Wentz has been in. I will say my own, one of my concerns is just that so many people are talking about it now that typically when people start talking about stuff, the, the books become aware and the market becomes aware and the value gets taken away pretty quickly. But I'll say I'd, I'd probably, without knowing the number, I could only look towards McLaurin under. The, the Browns have been pretty good against outside receivers and number one receivers with Denzel Ward. So that's a plus for them. It's a low total game. 
And obviously Cleveland is a team that is a run funnel. You want to run the ball against their horrific run defense. So could only maybe look towards some McLaurin unders. Where, where do I think it, it comes in at or what is the buy price? I mean, his numbers pretty recently have been like in the low 60s range. I, I think it was 60-ish. Well, it was 60 or something against the Niners, which is a tough matchup. But obviously you're 10-point dogs so, or 7-point dogs, so you're going to throw more. Now you're two-point favorite. So I would think that it probably comes in high 50s and at that point probably a lean to the under with me. If it's in that low 60s, maybe it's an official bet. Sounds good. Last week you talked about Derrick Henry's rushing yardage total probably coming in in the range of 120. And shortly after we wrapped recording, I know we were in touch on Telegram. 106 and a half, some 105 and a halfs appeared, and those got snatched up quickly. But if you can anticipate angles like this and be ready to jump on any bad lines, time is of the essence. So hopefully this will at least prepare ourselves and the audience to act accordingly when these numbers are widely available. And Hitman, in the next game we can touch on here, Arizona at Atlanta, Colt McCoy back at quarterback for the Cardinals. I think you and I both are thinking on the same wavelength when it comes to the full game point spread in this one with Arizona plus three and a half in pocket. I believe you might have even snatched a minus or excuse me, a plus four for the Cardinals. Right now, seeing some plus three even money across the marketplace, I'd say that's probably still okay if you want to get involved on this point spread. I'd say at plus three even money, maybe a slightly reduced amount after the best of the number appears to be gone on the Cardinals. But thinking about the concept of this show from a prop betting standpoint, if we like the Cardinals to cover this spread, are there any props on your radar that would correspond with that handicap where the best of the number perhaps hasn't sailed yet? Yeah, it's funny. Just to go back, I remember you mentioned we were talking about that Derrick Henry prop, and I was so off on where it would um, open up. I, I remember I said like, oh, yeah, 120, and it won't be playable. And you texted me. I remember maybe like 10 minutes after the line came out, you texted me and like, hey, uh, Henry's at 106 minus 125. And I sent a screenshot of a max $3,000 <laughs> bet on uh, 106 minus 119. And I was like, yeah, I'm already in front of you, man. No, not many people get in front of me on this stuff. So uh, yeah, yeah that, that was that was funny. But um, yeah, I can't believe that line opened so low. But um to, to go back to it, um, to, to the Cardinals game. Um, I played Ritter under 181 and a half pass yards. It wasn't one of my bigger plays, kind of sm a small position that I took. And it, I just thought it was a high number for an Atlanta Falcons quarterback, to be honest. I mean, Mariota was in the 150s, and they still have a really low pass rate over expectation, like super low. Now, I know Ritter – has been taking some more deep shots and all that. But I just thought that it was a little high. And as three, three-and-a-half-point favorites, you'd have to think that Atlanta's game plan is going to be to run in this game. Um, I didn't do anything with Algier. You know, the books are getting so much sharper at this, even on the openers. And the betters are sharper also. But even the books have gotten better on the openers. I mean, Tyler Algier opened in the 70s. And Patterson opens in the 44. When I did my notes before the lines came out, I said, like, oh, look to maybe play Algier over and Patterson under because he's kind of taking the backfield. And now Atlanta's basically eliminated from playoff – or they are eliminated from playoff contention. You could see that they start to rest Patterson a little bit. Well, the book's adjusted for that also. So good job by them. But um, as far as the Arizona side goes in this game – 
you know, one thing about Colt McCoy is he will check the ball down. Like this guy has one of the lowest average depth of targets and he checks the ball down. And I think Arizona is going to run their offense with him, not be conservative or anything because Cliff Kingsbury said that he need Colt McCoy needs these reps. Cause he was like, Hey, Colt McCoy might be our starter next year for the first month or so of the season or so. So Arizona has been using James Conner a lot. They've been using their guys. They pushed Hollywood Brown back from injury and played him a decent amount last week. Colt McCoy's coming back. So, I mean, I think Arizona full go, maybe look at some overs and maybe look at McCoy completions or something. Just, just spitballing here with no numbers, I think out on the, the completions right now. Yeah. I'm not seeing anything with completions, but that's the first thing I tried to look up in real time. As you were mentioning that angle on McCoy, one player for the Cardinals, I think a lot of people have soured on after a pretty poor performance from a statistical standpoint on Christmas night would be DeAndre Hopkins. And obviously now with a more competent quarterback back in play, do you think the market might overreact to what we saw last from him? Again, no numbers yet for you know whatever reason. You tell me why. But do you think that Hopkins might have some value if in this case, instead of being ready to pounce on the opener, we let some of the market that soured on his Christmas performance drive his receiving total down and then maybe come back on the over closer to kickoff? Yeah, I mean, possibly. But I'd say that if I was to play something related to Arizona, I'd play receptions over on Hopkins instead of yards. Basically, a lot of the Arizona guys, I'd rather play receptions. If I was going to play over on a lot of Arizona guys with McCoy at quarterback, I'd look towards receptions. And if I was to play under on Arizona guys with McCoy at quarterback, I'd probably look towards yards. Similar angle, different names in the next game I want to touch on with you. Miami at New England, Teddy Bridgewater quarterbacking for the Dolphins this weekend. And if Colt McCoy has a shallow average depth of target, I think Bridgewater wants to give him a run for his money in that department. The Patriots also nursing some injuries to a few key players in their secondary. So I wanted to run by you the notion of Bridgewater completions over or for some of those Dolphins pass catchers receptions over. Are there any numbers you're eyeing and any players in the Dolphins passing game that you're eyeing to take advantage of this angle once some of those numbers become more widely available? Not really. I mean, I will say that Hill and Waddle and the small sample size with Bridgewater have still got targeted a ton. So I I will say that I just I don't think if they did make a major adjustment on these guys, I don't think it would be warranted. But honestly, I think that the, the I think that these guys are going to come in pretty close to their numbers on what it would have been with Tua. So. Honestly, from a Miami – a lot of times when you have a quarterback change, you look to see, all right, well, which receivers do, do this affect more? Just like the Wentz thing, like, oh, Samuel gets a boost, McLaurin gets a downgrade. But with Miami, I, I kind of think it, it's it's not much of a change to many of their receivers. I, I think that Waddle and Hill still get that insane target share. Not many other guys get used. And their passing production, it, it's going to – fall off a little because two is a better player than Bridgewater, but it's nothing. It's not going to be anything super substantial. If we're looking at more or less status quo for some key cogs in the Dolphins offense, got to think a boost will be in store in the late window on Sunday for the Jets when they take on the Seahawks in Seattle. Mike White back under center. 
Hitman common theme with these quarterback changes. Numbers not widely available yet, but as you said earlier with McLaurin, some of these will probably be available by the time a lot of the audience is hearing this conversation. Any Jets passing game overs you have your sights set on, given that it's going to be Mike White back in command instead of Zach Wilson? Um, you know, initial thought was maybe Garrett Wilson. The one concern with Garrett Wilson is that Seattle is a lot better against boundary receivers than what they are against like slot guys and all and and that so that that's what maybe doesn't make it a play it's just that they are a lot better against those boundary receivers and wilson plays on the boundary but initially a look i, I kind of lean towards wilson over because then on the other end his numbers with mike white have been so much better um mike white's another guy that's going to have a low average depth of target and the jets have thrown the hell out of the ball with mike white at quarterback so I could theoretically see maybe a Mike White completions. And that's another guy that I tend to like to play completions over yards with is because his average depth of target is so low. Um, in that game, I do like Geno Smith under 240 and a half pass yards. Um, I will say that if, if Locke gets back, I mean, I still like it. No, obviously not as much because – the thing is, without Lockett, is they really don't have many other receivers to match up against this Jets defense because Metcalf's a guy that plays on the outside a lot. He's going to get Gardner and Reed a lot. But even if Metcalf does play, I think that Geno Smith, listen, he's a good player. He's proved that he's – I don't think he's a fluke. He's a decent NFL quarterback. But his number's pretty high to be going against a six-rated uh, pass defense in DVOA this season uh 240 and a half and and pete carroll also kind of mentioned that he was looking toward for seattle to run the ball a little bit more after they had success in the second half running against the chiefs so geno smith under is a play that i liked in that game sounds like good enough to go at 240 and a half which is currently widely available what a breath of fresh air a widely available prop on a friday morning but even though 240 and a half is good in your eyes, Hitman, when you mentioned the Tyler Lockett dynamic, if he's announced in, then I would imagine Smith's total might balloon a little bit. And one of the biggest things I've learned this year, handicapping games, props, is that the difference between a player being in the lineup and being in the lineup at anywhere near 100% can be pretty significant. And I feel like oftentimes just if somebody's announced in, the market tends to have a knee-jerk reaction as if he is in at 100%. So is there any inclination on your end to wait for locket confirmation, almost hope that he's in, and assume he'll be limited, and maybe you can I, get something even better than 240.5 on Geno Smith under? Yeah, you know, I, I think Lockett will be in, and that's actually a good point by you. Um, I think that Geno Smith, I think that you wait. Now, the reason that I am sometimes inclined to just go as far as as this is as far as my personal bets go. So I have a service where I give out props, but I wait typically the earliest I'll go on Sunday games is Friday night. And the reason for that is I'm waiting for, usually I like to have FanDuel open. I like to have uh, offshores open up just so people can get a, some decent sized bets down. But on my personal bets, I'll go earlier because to be honest, either I'm going to get the line or somebody's going to snipe me to it on, on the personal bets. And I just hope that, Hey, whatever the top stuff that's available on Friday night and Saturday, whatever's still available, I'll be happy to give out. If something does move, 
that I already bet. And I, unfortunately, I can't give it out. So I went on Geno Smith anticipating that maybe some other services are going to also like Geno Smith because I think it might be a popular play. So I was betting the under 240 and a half on Geno just thinking, you know, I better get to this before if, if another service gives it out, it's going to go to 233 or something like that. But if you could guarantee me that another service won't give it out before the locket news, it's an excellent point by you to wait for the locket news because uh, I think that it will maybe tick up a few yards if locket gets ruled in. And I anticipate that he does get locked in. So really good point by you. I think that if you're, when you listen to this, you you maybe wait for that news See if there's a little – you might get a few extra yards would be my anticipation. All right. Well, I'm just glad that we have, again, a number widely available on a board with so many numbers pending, even though we are approaching 48 hours from kickoff as we talk through a bunch of these games. One more on the Sunday afternoon slate. I wanted to run by you, Hitman. San Francisco at Las Vegas. Jarrett Stidham under center for the Raiders after Derek Carr has been benched for the remainder of the season. And I'm wondering with Stidham if he might want to use his athleticism to find as much productivity as he can. Would think that perhaps there could be some value for those that can be quick to the trigger on Stidham rushing yards over, or perhaps if he's holding the ball trying to make things happen with his athleticism, maybe sacks over looking at a number for the full game. Again, the numbers on this one, TBD, but Hitman, is there anything you're eyeing that could play at a similar angle with Stidham trying to use his athleticism? rushing yards over, sacks over, anything along those lines. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm looking back at Stidham's career rush stats. It's it's not good, Matt. I don't know. It's going to be a low number. It's going to be a really – it's going to be a low number on him. I kind of thought that he was more – I'll be honest also. I kind of thought that he was more mobile that, than what uh, – I when I see his uh, – his numbers from when he actually played what, what he actually was. I mean, he doesn't have a big sample size. Like a lot of these games, it's like 11 attempts, 10 attempts, 13 attempts, but he's not, hasn't really been willing to run much. So I don't know. I mean, to be honest on a guy that has that small of a, of a rushing profile in his career where there's just not much of a sample size, I don't know. To be honest, you got me Googling Jared Stidham's 40 time right now, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like high. It's like four, seven, five. So, I mean, he, he's definitely not immobile. You know, a lot of quarterbacks sometimes can be in the high four, nine, like the four, eights, four, nines, fives and everything. But to be, to be honest, I'm, I'm not sure what, what the angle ends up being on him. I mean, we'll, we'll see how low the number comes in at. All right, I will take it as a good point on perhaps waiting on Geno Smith passing yards under if Tyler Lockett news comes in and that gets inflated for a little more value. And maybe not so good of a point by me when it comes to a look at Stidham rushing yards over. So we can just uh, scrap that one from the records and look for some good points by you in a moment when we will get to our official picks for week 17. Before then, one order of housekeeping. Want to remind everybody about Thrive Fantasy, a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you can eliminate hours of research and focus on the top tier players that have the biggest impact on the game. Here's how it works choose 10 out of the 20 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. 
hit the most props, and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over $200,000 in guaranteed prizes weekly. To get in the game, download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com and use the promo code HAMMER for a 100% instant first deposit match, good up to $100. Hitman, we've discussed a few games with Slim Pickens when it comes to player props that are on the board. Let's think about the Week 17 card holistically. Anywhere else you're looking to lock in some value for the Props and Hops Week 17 portfolio. Uh, let's go with these two. Let's go with Geno Smith under 240 and a half. Maybe, hopefully you got a better number as a listener. There's a chance you don't get, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with the market, but I'll go with that as the official. And Justin Fields over 70 and a half rush yards. Um, you know, I got burned on this last week because he was talking about going for the record and he said he needed 70 yards a game. I played over 72 and a half, and he had like 14 rush yards. So I looked like an idiot. Maybe I'll look like an idiot again this week, but he needs about 100 yards a game for the record. Last time he played the Lions, he went for 147, and the Lions allowing the most rush yards in the NFL to opposing quarterbacks. So we'll go again with Justin Fields over 70 and a half rush yards along with Geno. Sounds good. Geno Smith under 240 and a half. Passing yards, Justin Fields over 70 and a half rushing yards for Hitman. And I will look to keep us on the good recent streak with teasers starting to rebound pretty effectively from a rough go early in the season. We'll see what we can do in week 17. I am looking at Cleveland, teasing them up to plus eight at Washington and pairing them with one of the better teaser legs of the year, Pittsburgh plus eight and a half at Baltimore. Both of these games have low totals, Cleveland, Washington, 40 and a half. Pittsburgh, Baltimore, even lower than that, 35. And these low totals can really increase the relative value of each point we get in teasers when taking underdogs up through a touchdown. When it comes to Cleveland, not just betting on the Browns, but really looking to take advantage of what I think is going to be a pretty limited window moving forward to bet against Carson Wentz and Washington beating a Browns team by margin. And in the second leg with Pittsburgh, a lot of familiarity in this division rivalry with Baltimore. That tends to reduce variance, which is another positive factor when teasing underdogs up through a touchdown. I also think looking at the Steelers and Ravens matching up, we saw a pretty misleading final score in week 14 when the Ravens won 16 to 14. The Steelers outgained the Ravens by more than a yard per play in that game, and they were done in by a minus three turnover differential. All three of those turnovers, interceptions thrown by Mitch Trubisky, and they were thrown deep in Baltimore territory. The Ravens picked off passes at the 10, 8, and 1-yard lines as the Steelers were driving. I don't think that's as much of an issue if we can assume that Kenny Pickett's going to play the full game this time around. So again, I'm liking the Browns plus 8 at Washington, paired with the Steelers plus 8.5 at Baltimore. A couple other candidates this week. Some people might have interest in Miami plus 8.5 at New England. I'll note that game is shaded toward the three. I think you're probably better off from at least a pure mathematical standpoint just taking the Dolphins at plus 3, minus 120 if you want some exposure on them. Another popular teaser like this week, probably going to be the Seahawks. We've already touched on that game. Taking them up to plus 7.5 hosting the Jets. I can see plenty of appeal there. Hitman, when we look at this week's teaser candidates, how would you rank your top two on this week's board? So... Pittsburgh was definitely going to be in my portfolio. It was a matter of if I put Miami or Cleveland with them. And even though Cleveland mathematically is the superior teaser leg, just because there is some three one twenties out there. 
I ended up going with Miami as mine. So Pittsburgh and Miami for me, I just liked Miami more from a handicapping perspective than I did Cleveland, which to me trumped the the math that would say that you're better off just playing, um, uh, putting Cleveland in that teaser with Pittsburgh. But I think Pittsburgh's the best leg of the the week. So as long as you can get another advantage one uh, with them, that's the, the best leg of the week. All right. Point taken. So if you have more of a handicapping inclination to back Miami, can't fault that logic for official show tracking purposes. Again, I'll go ahead and lock this in as Cleveland is the first leg plus eight at Washington paired, of course, with the Steelers plus eight and a half at Baltimore. So rapid fire recap here for the picks. Geno Smith under 240 and a half passing yards. Justin Fields over 70 and a half rushing yards. Those both courtesy of Hitman. And my teaser of the week, the Browns plus eight at Washington, the Steelers plus eight and a half at Baltimore. Now, guys, before we get to the hops this week, I want to weave in what has been a pillar of the show for much of its existence. The Malinsky Minute as a nod to the late, great David Malinsky. Today would have been Dave's 62nd birthday. And as much as he was a legend in sports betting and the content that he would create and share with so many across the sports betting community, Dave lived an even richer life when it comes to all things beyond the betting boards. So if there's anybody out there who benefited from Dave's work over the years or is just inspired by his story in any way, I think one of the best ways that we could honor his legacy would be to get off the grid, as he would have put it, and enjoy life beyond all the X's and O's we talk about from a betting standpoint every week here. And some examples of that that Dave really enjoyed, hiking, getting out and experiencing any nature in your nearby surroundings, supporting a mom and pop restaurant, listening to some of your favorite music. Dave was a huge fan of classic rock. And last but not least, taking off the edge, unwinding with a good beer, glass of wine, a cocktail of your choice. And on that note, with the notion of enjoying life beyond the betting boards and some of the drinks that Dave would enjoy from time to time, I think that gives us an excellent transition to the hops this week. So, Jacob, another holiday weekend on tap, New Year's Day on Sunday. What do you have lined up for holiday weekend number two in a row? Uh, for New Year's Eve, I'm going to be hanging out with some friends or be going to a New Year's Eve party. So as far as like specifically for the hops, I don't have anything. It's going to be probably a lot of a lot of different things. <laughs> um, some cocktails. I'll probably look for some rum and cokes. For some drinks, I'll probably look for some more crushable. So something more crushable. So like Stella, Blue Moon, along the lines of that. But uh, nothing fancy from me this weekend. Sounds good. I think in the right environment with the right people, anything can hit the spot. So it sounds like you've got a good plan in store. And I'll be going a similar route when you touched on cocktails here. I know we've dubbed this segment the hops, but I've got a plan on ending 2022 with my go-to cocktail of the year. I've mentioned it before on this show. It is the Black Rose Old Fashioned at a small independent neighborhood bar of mine. And I think that small independent factor would get this selection an extra stamp of approval from Dave on his 62nd birthday. And this Black Rose Old Fashioned, Jameson Black Barrel Irish Whiskey, Simple Syrup, Rose Water, Orange Peel, and Spiced Bitters. It's got a nice citrusy floral kick to it, balanced out really well by some heat from the whiskey and some spice from the bitters. So I'm going to enjoy having this cocktail in one hand, a ticket on Ohio State plus seven against Georgia in the other hand as I watch the college football playoff, hopefully end the year in style on New Year's Eve. Hitman, I know that these football weekends are usually a full go for you just from a work standpoint, getting down as much as you can on any and all edges that you can find. 
any New Year's festivities planned, anything that you have on the near-term horizon to get off the grid yourself? Yeah, it's nice. One thing about Malinsky, too, that you mentioned is I'm friends with uh, Steven Nover, who's another old school mm -hmm. Vegas guy. He's been there forever and he knew Malinsky well. And he always says to me, he's like, Hitman, he's like, if Malinsky knew you, uh, he was like, he'd love you. He'd be like, you, the way you just find every angle you can. And some of the stories I tell him about betting uh, bets I make and everything, he's like, oh, Malinsky would love the stuff you tell. But um, with that said, yeah, this. Um, this New Year's, you know, it's funny, like 10 years ago, now that I'm 30, 10 years ago, New Year's Eve, oh my God, it was awesome. We, we, the amount of times I'd just be throwing up, striking out with girls, trying to just going crazy. Uh, I, I miss those days a little bit, but now I'm, I'm old and washed up and I'll probably be um, grinding during the day, getting a lot of, of trying to get money down. And then once like seven o'clock comes, I got dinner reservations with a few people. So just have a few drinks at a nice restaurant, come back to my place, maybe go in the hot tub, having a few more drinks, watch the ball drop. And as soon as the ball drops, I'm likely going to bed and getting ready for football Sunday the next day. So I'll, I'll have a buzz. I'll enjoy myself a little bit, but nothing too crazy like I, I used to go 10 years ago. Yeah, it's funny that you look back on that as awesome. And uh, fortunately, I've never gotten to the point of having to throw up. But I know the note of, you know, striking out, trying to, you know, meet somebody special on New Year's Eve or, uh, you know, the, the grind can be, you know, much different uh, in, in the early 30s than the early 20s. So uh, I'm thankful to have moved on past that part of life. Some fun experiences for sure, but but a different phase uh, might not be, you know, any worse just because it's not the, the same level of partying. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, with New Year's plans in store, whatever you have in mind, any partying, just taking it easy. Hopefully you will be rooting in some bets, courtesy of Hitman's Insight over the course of this show. Want to encourage you, if you're not doing so already, to follow him on Twitter at Hitman428. You can also find me there at MLandis18. Jacob and I will be back with Suma on Wednesday for a week 18 edition of Between the Lines. Want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode of Props and Hops. Enjoy week 17 in the NFL. Have a safe and happy new year. We will see you in 2023. And in the meantime, as always, best of luck with your betting and beer adventures this weekend. Props and hops and props and